This is Real Estate Rookie episode 219. I would say if you haven't already, go write down your why. Um, you know, for me, it's it's my family and my freedom. Um, and, you know, when things get tough, when things get stressful and overwhelming, because they, they definitely will, especially probably, you know, early on, being able to to lean back and, and really know your why and why you're doing everything and putting yourself through these, you know, overwhelming or stressful situations will help you you push on. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here with my co-host, Tony Robinson. And it should be episode 209 or teen. That's it should right be there. episode 219-er, I think. Actually. 219-er. Okay, there you go. That's probably the right way to say it. But either way, welcome to the Real Estate Rookie Podcast, where every week, twice a week, we bring you the inspiration, information, and motivation you need to kickstart your real estate investing journey. And I love, love, love getting in front of this mic every single time because we get to share some good stuff with you guys. Um, Ash, let's get into our boring banter for today. What's uh, what's new? What's going on? Um, well, I'm just headed, headed to uh, Idaho tomorrow, um, going to Coeur d'Alene to meet up with some real estate friends. So I'm excited about that. I haven't packed or prepared or done anything yet. I actually just uh, changed my flight. So I actually leave 12 hours later so that I have more time <laughs> to get time ready. To um, get your life in order. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that's about it for me. And just looking forward to the summer. It's finally getting really nice here in Buffalo. And we had a boat day yesterday. So yeah. What about you? Yeah, it was good. Wait, really cool on the boat day. So Ash and I were supposed to record yesterday and she texted me. She was like, hey, anywhere we can we can move that so I can get on the boat instead. I was like, yeah, of course, we'll, we'll make it happen. But um, there will, Tony, there will be one time where we do like a short rookie reply where I will be on the boat and record on the boat. There. I would that love will that. happen. I would love that. We got to make that happen. As long as I'm on the boat with you, you just, I, yeah, I got to make go. a trip out to, to Buffalo at some point. This yeah. Time. Um, but now things are, things are good on my side too. You know what? I, I actually just had my first, uh, reel on Instagram pass a million views. So that was kind of cool. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. And it's always like the bad stuff that like goes kind of viral on social. It was a video about like these, uh, they were like, like actual, like, like crackheads that booked our place. Like there was actual drug drugs, like found left at the property and they just like, they like trash the place. But anyway, we, we had a video like that showed about what the property looked like. And I guess people love hearing about, uh, you know, the, the bad stuff happening at, at Airbnb. Yeah. So. They like hearing bad stuff happen to other yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not when I talk about how to, how to analyze a property or, you know, the motivating stuff, it's like crackheads destroying an Airbnb. And goes yeah, by. yeah. 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 Um, well, that's really cool. Um, you know what video I thought you were going to say is the one about like the bear coming onto your property where there's the garbage all over the porch and it got into the dust. That one also went viral, but that was viral on uh, on TikTok. That oh. one has like almost 3 million views right now. So this is our first one that hit a million on uh, yeah. on Instagram. So if you guys want to hear more about uh, bears digging into our garbage and crackheads destroying our places, then follow me on Instagram at Tony J. Robinson. If you want to see more about boat days in Buffalo, follow <laughs> Ashley at Will from Rentals and you'll, you'll get a good mix of there. My content is so sporadic. It's like, okay, here today I took a voting reel and I turned it into why you should get life insurance on your business partner. <laughs> <laughs> because you never know what could happen on the boat. Yeah, I literally, I got dumped off the boat, just like left off the bo- the back. And I was like, this is one of the risks you take when you get life insurance on your business partner is death. <laughs> your death experience is always around the corner so they can take over the business. But um, then I just added into my description about, you know, what is getting life insurance on your business partner, why it's important. So you guys can check that out on 
uh, my Instagram page if you want at Wealth and Rentals. So, but today we are bringing on Hunter who just got started in real estate. I think the coolest thing about this episode is he talks about how he took advantage of a college opportunity that you just signed up for. And he got paired with a mentor who ended up being um, such an awesome tool and um, I guess like motivator for him to actually get into real estate and investing himself. Also, one of my favorite parts of this episode was the uh, the mindset segment. We brought that back for this episode, and and Hunter's response to that was just really, I, I think it'll be really eye opening for a lot of our our listeners today. So make sure you guys take a listen for that as well. But overall, you know, he had a, 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 a not a setback, but he had an obstacle he had to overcome in, in college, where he had a kid right before he graduated, and you know, I've, I've can obviously you know, relate to that situation as well. And he talks about how that kind of framed and shaped his approach moving forward. So overall, just really good episode. Hunter is a great guy. Shows a lot of really good information. So excited to share the story with you guys today. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the BiggerPockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com. Or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. 
Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation homeowning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Hunter, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you want to get started with telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Yeah, so uh, I'm Hunter Lewis, 25-year-old investor from Southeastern PA. Um, currently have three doors, and I'm in the process of selling my second one to 1031 Exchange into a small multifamily property. So three doors, working on number four. Um, my journey started my sophomore year at Penn State Altoona. Um, similar to a lot of investors, started with me reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, and that's what kind of lit the flame inside of me. Um, one year later, junior year, met my girlfriend, Emily. And then two weeks before my senior year, um, found out that Emily was pregnant. So life kind of threw me a curveball, um, slapped me in the face and forced me to get serious. Um, April of 2019, we had my daughter. And real quick, it's actually a funny story. Emily and I were living in two separate college apartments at the time. Obviously not ideal for, for a newborn. So we had to rent an Airbnb for the month of April leading up to me graduating um, at the beginning of May. So first month as a father, um, I have an Airbnb, which is funny. Um, July of 2019, a couple months later, started my career with Sheets as an associate real estate site selector. So doing commercial real estate work for them. Um, and then fast forward almost exactly a year later is when I closed on my first single family rental Six months later, closed on my second in January of 2021, and then closed on my third in August of 2021. Hunter, what made you take that position at Sheets? Is that and Sheets is a gas station, right? Like a big brand, like a a Bucky's or something. Not, not as great as a Bucky's, I'll say that. But you know, the like heck a, is a Bucky's? big oh, convenience man. store. Never heard of that. A Bucky's is like down in Texas, and I think they're like along the southeast, so it's like. The uh, best gas station you'll ever go to in your life. <laughs> but um, my, my favorite gas sheets, station is Costco sheets. gas. <laughs> <laughs> so wh- what kind of got you to that position? Because I it, you mentioned real estate as part of your job description. Um, can you maybe elaborate on that more? Yeah. So after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, my sophomore year, I knew, you know, real estate is, is everything I wanted to do in the path I wanted to go down. So pretty much just was trying to connect with people and put myself in a position to come out of school, hopefully with a job that was real estate related. Um, going into senior year, find out Emily was pregnant, you know, before that didn't really, wasn't really taking life too seriously, didn't really have any, you know, set plans of what I wanted to do. Um, then that happened and that forced me to get serious and uh, actually had Steve Sheets, who's one of the brothers who founded and helped start and grow um, the Sheets company and brand as my mentor my senior year. And he hooked me up with the um, internal real estate department. And that's um, how I got my foot in the door and, and started with them coming out coming out of Penn State. Here's the question we always want to know is how did you find your mentor? <laughs> um, so actually, it was pretty easy from uh, the student perspective. We just kind of filled out a form um, of what we were looking for in a mentor. And then the, um, the administration paired us uh, based off what we answered. So I didn't really have to do too much to the legwork. Uh, but you took advantage of an opportunity to pair with a mentor. So I think, yep. yeah. So if you are in college and that is an opportunity that you have available to you, definitely uh, take that uh, that resource that's offered to you. Yeah. And I guess off that, you know, speaking to being open and telling everyone and everybody about you wanting to be involved and get into real estate, because that's how I got paired with the mentor that was able to provide me and open up the doors for me 
to get into that position in the real estate department. Hunter, one one follow up on the mentorship piece because you know obviously a lot of new investors, especially those of us that are that are younger in life, I think long for that quote unquote mentor, but that relationship looks different from person to person and and mentor and and mentee. So like, what exactly did that relationship look like for you guys? Were you meeting like every week? Was it like a, like, you know, every couple of months and how long were the conversations? What kind of, you know, challenges and things were you bringing to that person? Just give us some insights on how that, how that relationship looked. Yes. We, we tried to meet, um, once a week, if not every other, uh, every other week. And really it was, um, at first, really just starting to build a personal relationship with him um, and, and build that, you know, friendly, open conversation with him before I really started to dig in and, and ask um, business related or, um, you know, professional questions to help me advance in, in my career. So I think setting send the, the groundwork of building a personal relationship first and then, you know, digging into, um, you know, the, the professional and business related questions was useful. I think it's, it's pretty cool that you guys met on a weekly basis. Like most folks that I know that, that have mentors, it's a, it's far less frequent than that. So, uh, I mean, and this was someone that seems like has like, you know, found a lot of success on their own. And those people are typically the, the busiest. So, um, looks like you, you might've struck gold hunter with, uh, with your mentor. I did. I did. Steve is an amazing guy. Um, super down to earth. And, um, yeah, he's he's incredible with being able to build personal relationships and maintain them with how busy he is. Um, one of the, one cool experience I actually got to do with him that sticks out. He was on Gary V's podcast, um, so he invited me along, and I got to fly up there with him and sit in on him doing a podcast with Gary V. So just being able to to sit in with him and and be exposed to experiences like that was it was just insane. That is so cool. And I think that's probably something that, you know, when you have scaled and you have grown as an investor yourself, that you're going to pay it forward and provide, you know, somebody else that opportunity. I know the investor that I've worked for, he let me sit at the closing table before and he had me as a signer on the bank account for he was doing this huge acquisition. And I sat there at the closing table and I was the one that wrote these huge checks, signed my name on it, you know, and it was just such a, a cool experience for me because it really just showed me the whole process of, you know, how he worked as an investor and just me getting to actually write those physical checks made such an impact on me because I had never even seen close to that amount of money before. Um, so it, it definitely um, would it would be cool for me to be able to do that for somebody someday for somebody is to bring them on along with me and let them experience what I do day to day for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think just getting exposure to as much as possible starting out um, before you jump in yourself is is so beneficial in so many ways. So when you did decide to take the leap and to get your first deal, what um, kind of you know, what made you decide, okay, now is the time? Did you have a lot of analysis analysis paralysis? Was there some kind of hesitation or were you like, today's the day, I'm going to go buy a deal? I knew I wanted to jump in as soon as possible. Coming out of school, you know, I had very little money in my bank account. Um, so I took my first year working with Sheets to, to save up and cut expenses as much as possible. And, and quite honestly, COVID kind of played into that advantage because we packed up and moved, um, or not moved, but came back home to stay with my parents um, during that time. So I was able to cut cut back on expenses and um, finally was just ready to pull the trigger. So I just started taking action. Um, I, I stopped holding myself back and I just went online, went to citizensbank.com and, and figured out how to get pre-approved. And, you know, the snowball started rolling from there. 
Can we can we talk a little bit more about the the snowball? Because I, I think that's also the thing that a lot of new investors where where they get stuck is like maybe they can wrap their head around getting property number one, but the idea of doing properties number two and three, especially in a short period of time, is where where they get kind of stuck. So just to reiterate the timeline for folks, you got property number one in July of 2020. And then about six months later, you get property number two. And then about seven months later in August, you get property number three, right? So you saved up the money for property number one, COVID, moving in with your folks. Um, but what about property number two and number three? How did you fund and finance those ones? Yeah, so property, um, once finally got in with my first one, um, that was kind of proof of concept and um, kind of proved to myself along with my close family and friends that I actually could do this. Six months later, I finally convinced my dad. I said, hey, dad, listen, this is what um, I got now too. And he was pretty involved in, in the process of buying the first one. Um, I showed him the numbers. I showed him what I planned on renting that one out and how much I wanted the cash flow on that one and convinced him to put up the down payment and closing costs for the second property. So I partnered up with my dad on the second one. Um, we put 20% down and um, he actually exercised uh, 25 grand of his employee stock for the for the down payment and closing costs. And that's how... Uh, I financed that second one. Something I want to point out is that you said on that first deal that that was proof of concept to yourself, your friends, and your family. And I love that you phrase it that way because that's exactly what it was for us in our business as well. When we started, we knocked out four short-term rentals in the span of like, I don't know, like 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 six months maybe. And like as those properties started to perform, that was proof of concept to us and other people in our circle that the short-term rentals are a good asset class and that we know how to set them up, manage them, and, and, and run them on a daily basis. And as you start to communicate what you're doing in the world of real estate investing, you're going to start gaining interest from other people who you may not have even known were you know involved in real estate. So for you, Hunter, it was your dad, but for the rookies that are listening, maybe it's like the person that you, I don't know, you do like yoga with on Tuesday mornings, or maybe it's the person that you, you know, when you're at like the, the, the daycare and you guys are watching your kids play, maybe it's that person. Like you never know who in your circle already has an idea of investing in real estate, but they don't have the time, desire, or ability to do it themselves. And if you can show proof of concept, now you've opened yourself up to potential partners to help you continue to scale. So Hunter, what would be your advice for somebody who is just starting out and maybe in a similar situation to you where they have these resources at their work or have a mentor? What are some like tips and advice you can say is what are the things they should really focus on and maximizing um, having these advantages to them. Um, you know, for example, like, is it, you know, the network of that other investor that's mentoring you, um, or that you get from your job. When I first started out, I built like a really great relationship with a loan officer as doing loans for this investor. And so when it was time for me to do a loan, we had a great relationship and he knew I was responsive. And so it went really smooth getting them to give me a loan because of that. So is there any, advice or things that you took away for, from the opportunity you had at, with your mentor and your job? Um, yeah. And I would kind of also shout out to my real estate agent that I found for that first deal. Um, she was she was really crucial in, like you touched on, the network. Um, so so digging into to the network and the relationship she has already created and whether or not I was going to have access to them was, was, a, was a big thing. Um, the lender, um, she had a contact at Citizens Bank who I was getting already getting pre-approved with that she hooked me up with. We used her closing company. Um, she We used her inspector. 
um, you know, all these people that are really crucial and, and big time players in purchasing a property, um, they either can make your life really easy or, or really hard. And, and fortunately, she had that network and those people there that that made my life a lot easier buying that first property. So when we move on to our next segment, we're going to go into like an actual like deep dive of your deal. But before we do that, I want to talk about. So you mentioned before that you had a child very young. So what is that part of your why? Um, what has driven you to to kind of keep going and to build and scale this portfolio? Um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, having Tegan, I, had a, I think I had just turned 22. Emily was 20, um, had no money coming out of school. And, you know, being being the man in the family, I obviously had to you know put the team on my back in a way with Emily still having two years left at school. So I knew, you know, financially, it's going to be on me for, for some quite time. Um, so that was kind of letting me understand that this is now much bigger than me and it's it's up to, to me to provide for my family that that's definitely driven me in many ways we talked about this on another episode as well i can't it was someone that we just recently interviewed i'll have to try and go back and figure out who it was maybe we can throw it in the show notes but um they talked about how a lot of people use their family as an excuse instead of as motivation to really like bust their butt and do the work that needs to be done. And, you know, I've shown on the podcast many times. I was, I was 16 years old. My son was born. I was a, a junior, just started my junior year of high school. And, you know, there, there are a lot of folks who are in similar situations that use uh, the fact they had kids young as a, as an excuse as to why they can't achieve great things instead of a, a motivation to achieve those great things. So, um, you know, for all of you that are listening, there may be things, maybe it's not, maybe you didn't have a kid in, you know, as a teenager or in your early 20s, but maybe there's something else in your life that you feel is an excuse um, that, that's holding you back from really going forward as a real estate investor. But I challenge you to think of ways to reframe that obstacle as a motivating factor as opposed to, to an obstacle for you. So really appreciate you sharing your, your story, Hunter, because I'm sure it'll inspire some of the folks that are listening right now. And what, another thing we like to talk about, too, is we might as well bring this up, is what about how is Emily on board with you getting started into real estate investing? Um, she's been great. She really has. She's never never once really even questioned me. She's always just been an open ear um, and, and ready to to, uh, you know, jump along for the ride. And actually for the third deal, we, we split the down payment and closing costs for that one. So, um, she, we technically, I guess, are partnered up on, on that third property. Um, so she was, uh, yeah, definitely a big, a big role, um, and, and a lot of help throughout this journey th- so far. That's awesome. That's uh, really cool to hear because I think that's sometimes a struggle for people is getting your significant other or, you know, even just, somebody on board with you to do it together. So um, that's awesome that you've had that support and that definitely helps a lot. Um, Do you have any advice for somebody that is maybe trying to get their significant other on board? Um, Just give them rich dad, poor dad. (laughs) Um, That was the book that, (laughs) that, uh, you know, lit the flame in me and I gave it to her. Um, That was actually after I bought the first one and was really pushing the, to continue to scale and grow. Um, She read that one. And I think she was like, wow. Um, was completely on board after that. Yeah, we always say rich dad, poor dad is like the the gateway drug for real estate investing, right? It's like you read that first and then it, it, it kind of, or the gateway drug, or maybe it's like the, the matrix, right? It's like the red pill or the blue pill. It's like when you finally take the right pill, like opens your eyes up to, to what's really going on. Um, yep. 
But I, I want to go back to the to the partnerships piece, Hunter, because you you said you you took down the first one on your own. You saved up some money from your job, moving in with your parents. Uh, the second one, you you got your parents involved, and the the last one, it was with you and Emily. So, can you talk us through how you structured those partnerships? So maybe first with your dad, like what did, what did the structure of that partnership look like? Yeah, so you know, being that it's been close family members so far, I haven't got anything too crazy. Um, so neither or none of the properties are in LLCs. Um, with my dad, it's kind of just um, a written agreement that we are going to split equity. So we bought the house for $80,000, not to get too deep into this one yet, but we bought it for $80,000 with 20% down. It was a $16,000 down payment. So the equity split is 50-50 um, after the 16000 mm. So whatever the equity is, minus 16000 and then divide that 50-50 would be the split. Um, and then we just split cash flow 50-50. But this early on in my investing journey, I have not been spending any of the cash flow. I've just been letting it all accumulate in the separate bank accounts per property, um, you know, trying to keep my eye on the prize of, of saving up and continuing to reinvest in the business. So what you what you described, Hunter, is like a like a capital recapture. So on the equity piece, and we've done this in some of our partnerships as well, is that um, whatever equity is available before we split that, the person that put up the initial capital has to get repaid first. So in your situation, it was a $16,000 down payment that your dad put up. And like, say you guys go to sell that property or refinance or any kind of like capital event, that 16,000 would get paid back to your dad first and say there's like whatever, $10,000 left over, then your dad would get an additional five, you would get an additional five. Um, and that's a really common, um, I think, lever to pull inside of partnerships to try and keep things balanced. Now, here, here's what I will say, right? Because I know I get this question a lot. Ash, I'm sure you get this question a lot as well. Is like, Tony, Ashley, what is the best way to structure a real estate partnership? And I will tell you, Ashley will tell you there was no one size fits all solution for any partnership. It's all going to depend on the unique desires, wants, abilities, time availability of each one of those partners. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that A, you're not breaking any laws and B, that both partners are happy. As long as you can check those two boxes, you can structure the partnership however you want to. If you want to say that partner A has to give partner B a lavish birthday gift every year as part of this partnership agreement, then you can do that, right? Like there is no right or wrong answer for structuring a partnership. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. 
Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Um, let's kind of go. I would like to go into um, just break down a deal uh, for you, Hunter, and kind of see how you made a deal happen. Um, is there one in particular that you'd like to go over? Uh, sure. Here we can go over um, the second one with my dad. Yeah, cool. So I'm just going to do some rapid fire questions. And then if you just want to spitball them and then we can kind of go through uh, just the whole story of it. Cool. So uh, where is this uh, property located? Uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Okay. And it, what is the strategy you're doing with it? Well, originally it was a long-term hold um, rental property, but with the crazy appreciation we've seen over the last couple of years, I'm currently listing it on the market to try to 1031 exchange into a small multifamily. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to talk more about that. Um, and what is the purchase price of the property? Uh, 80000 Okay. And did you put any rehab into it? And how much was that? Um, new carpet and some paint. So very minimal, probably uh, like 1500 all in. Okay. And how did you finance the property? Um, so me and my dad partnered up. Um, he put up the down payment and closing costs, which all in was about $23,000 um, with 20% down. So we um, just used a local um, mortgage lender in the area. And how did you find the deal? Uh, with my agent on the MLS. Okay, cool. Yeah, if you just want to kind of go into that story and maybe just start off as to maybe how your agent sent it to you and then go from there. Yeah, so um, finally got my dad on board and he was coming up to Altoona because my hometown's about three and a half hours away from there. Um, so he was coming up. We were actually going to put some new flooring in the first property that I had bought and I knew he was already on board. So I scheduled with my agent four or five houses that weekend that we were going to go tour. Wait, did you did your dad know or is this like a surprise? You're like, hey, dad, I know you're here for this, but let's go check this other thing out. I, I kind of I threw him a boat. I didn't give him all the details until he showed up. I wanted to see his reaction. <laughs> um, 
so he showed up. Yeah, we got the floor done. I told him, I said, hey, uh, before you leave, we got to go look at some houses first. And I think he was kind of like, oh, crap. He's, he was being serious about this. Um, so he went and looked at him. And I think it was the last house of the day we actually went and looked at. Um, and I can just tell walking through it, my dad liked it. I liked it. And uh, it was in a good area near the Penn State Altoona campus. And I said, you know, this is one we're going to pull the trigger on. So um, I think the end of the weekend, I ended up driving back home with my dad and we put in an offer. And on the way back, we had already heard back that they accepted. So they had already did two price cuts. Um, so we came in at $80,000 and they accepted our offer right away. Can I ask one follow-up question, Hunter? So um, for a lot of new investors, when they see multiple price reductions, they get scared because I, I think the initial response is, oh, there must be something wrong with this property because it's been sitting, no one's made an offer, and now the, the sellers are getting desperate. Did you have any of those thoughts as you know as you were looking at this property? And if so, how, how were you able to push past those? Um, yeah, it was always sort of a, a yellow flag. I never want to look at that as a red flag. Um, just kind of proceed with caution and try to figure out you know what might people be shying away from this house for. Um, there was, you know, a couple issues that looked like they used to have a little bit of water in the basement. Um, they dry locked the walls and installed some French drains around the house. Um, and, you know, we haven't had any issues since. So just proceeding with caution and trying to figure out what may be deterring other people and trying to solve those problems. Um, and if the deal still makes sense, I would, I would still push forward. And that's what we did. Ashley, what about you? How, how do you feel about looking for, for price reductions in your market? Well, actually, my uh, flip right now is in a price reduction. So if anyone wants to buy my flip in Seattle, we have reduced the price. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, when I see a price reduction, I it, a price reduction and if it sat on the market for a long time. But this was three months ago and for like the past year before that, during that timing period, the house wasn't selling within like a week, especially two weeks. And then they reduced the price. It was like an automatic, okay, there's something wrong with that. And, but those are like, those are the houses to go after because it might not even be anything wrong with that. Or maybe it fell out of contract because, you know, it was something with the buyer where they couldn't get financing, things like that. Um, so I think those are definitely great opportunities looking for properties with price reduction, especially if it's like every two weeks they're dropping the price. And, you know, that usually shows that they have some kind of mo like reasoning that they want to get out of it, like they're motivated sellers. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, a great thing to look for. Yeah. I mean, my, my thoughts on the price reduction are that it could just be that they overpriced the property to begin mm -hmm. with. Right. It doesn't even necessarily mean that something's wrong with the property. Right. It just means that the sellers were asking for more than what it was worth. And like, I love seeing price reductions, especially on a property that I offered on before that they rejected the offer because now I can go back and say, Hey, you just reduced the price. Can we get a little bit closer? And we've actually closed up deals that way. And for me, like as long, like any, any property that we buy, we're going to do an inspection on. Mm -hmm. um, I'm typically going to have my, my crew walk it during escrow to make sure that, that it fits within our rehab budget. Um, and like, as long as I can do those two things, I'm going to uncover most of what I need to uncover so that, you know, I'm, I'm still protecting myself as a buyer. So I know a lot of you listening right now, maybe you're shying away from the price reductions. Um, but you know, if the numbers still make sense, like Hunter said, and, and you know that the, that the deal will still be cash flow positive, then don't be afraid to pull the trigger. Right. Uh, my, the only caveat is if you're in a flood zone in, in Shreveport, Louisiana, <laughs> then do not buy the deal because there's a good chance you might end up losing money on it. So I think there's actually going to be uh, quite a few 
price reductions for property, like especially now where maybe people listed a month ago as interest rates, you know, spiked up and now they're, they're not getting what, you know, so if you purchase a property, um, you know, and flipped it like I did, and we listed it probably a hundred thousand dollars less than what we had thought as we were going into the flip because the market was already changing. And then we had to do, um, one price reduction since then. So I think there's definitely going to be a lot of price reductions, especially for people who thought the market wasn't going to to come down at all and priced it super high because three months ago, that's what you could get. Um, and now they're going to have mm-hmm. to try and keep up because just the amount of people that can afford houses now have decreased because with the interest rates, their monthly payment for a mortgage is going to drastically change than if they got the mortgage at 3% compared to 6%. So I think you might see a lot of price reductions now from people that maybe listed their their property a month ago. Cool. Sorry, I didn't mean to take us down that that rabbit hole there. <laughs> um, but hopefully, hopefully it's good good information, man. But I just thought it was a really in- interesting point you made. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to wanted to touch on that. So what else happened with the property? We are doing the deal dive, yeah. So what it, what else happened with the property? So you uh, purchase it, you're going through rehab. Yeah. So. This comes back to having a really good agent, especially in your early days. Um, she already had tenants lined up. So we put in the new carpet and within six days after closing, we had the tenants in there um, and we're already starting to collect rent. So, and that was my first um, my first time and my dad's first time be- being an actual landlord. The first property I was still living at, at the time as an owner occupant. So that was, um, you know, having those tenants already lined up from the agent, that was that was crucial in getting my dad over the hump and, and giving him the confidence to pull the trigger. Um, so they, they were pretty good tenants. Um, that's, you know, the first couple of months for my first couple of months of being a landlord and, and figuring out how to uh, compromise, if you will, on certain things. Um, and then we rented it out for another year and a half up until this past May, actually. Um, and he was a Marine, our, our one tenant, and he got new orders to move somewhere else. So on short notice, he was out. And uh, I asked my agent, I said, hey, what do you think we could get for this property now? Um, and she said, probably between 130 and 150 And that was a lot more than I was expecting, um, especially after a year and a half. So I was like, holy crap, let me go talk to my dad and see what, uh, <laughs> what do we want to do? And uh, so we decided to go the route of listing it. Um, so it's currently on the market and speaking of price reductions, full disclosure, it's been on the market for, I think 12 days. Now, the first 10 days we left it at 140, and we actually had to reduce the price to 130. So we, uh, we went in a little bit higher, um, not anticipating, uh, the previous, um, market flows over the last month with interest rate hikes. Yeah. And that's hard to do when the market has changed so drastically so quickly too, is that, you know, you're looking at comps that sold two weeks ago, a month ago, and they're not even relevant anymore because those, the people that bought that got, you know, maybe three and a half percent interest or 4%. And now it's just like getting close to double. <laughs> right. I think since those comps that we were using, it's been, I think one, one and a half points. Yeah higher already and it's just it's a completely different market once you start making jumps like that and you always get that thing going in the back of your mind like oh geez if i would just sort of got that rehab done like a month earlier <laughs> right <laughs> hit, like, right totally. <laughs> totally yeah i think we had to wait like an extra week for the carpet and i was like yeah <laughs> if only we could have got them in a week earlier <laughs> 
But I think that's just like, uh, it's kind of good to go through that, that process. And it kind of makes you check yourself because if we both would have listed our properties at the top of the market and made tons of money, it's like, oh, okay, here's the excitement, the momentum. And then we go and do the next one. And it's like, whoa, the market has drastically changed. We, so I, I think it's almost good to, I'm trying to be optimistic here. Obviously it would be way better to sell for a lot more, but the lesson learned that, you know, the, you have to watch the market. And just because you start flipping a property, you know, at month one by month six, it doesn't mean that the property is going to sell for whatever you analyze it at, at, at month one. So just a, a lesson learned, especially when we're, you know, going through interest rate hikes right now is if you are flipping, be aware of what could be happening down the road. Too. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, the property management piece, Hunter? You, you touched on it a little bit, but you said this is your first time managing a property or your dad's first time managing a property. Um, a, you know, what made you guys decide to self-manage versus uh, hiring it out? And B, what were some of the, maybe the tough lessons you learned along the way that you can share with the listeners? Self-manage. Um, the reason I went that route to start off is I wanted to get the experience under my belt of being a landlord so I could somewhat understand it. And uh, quite honestly, shout out to you guys. I got the rent ready code for a dollar by using the, the bigger pockets we code. Love about rent a, ready. Yeah, whenever, <laughs> whenever that time was. So that's the system I use. Um, so I got that set up and and was, was all in using that. And I thought it was really, really simple and easy to use that to, to help screen the tenants and, and get them in there. So it's been successful using that so far. That's good. And are you solely doing the management or is your dad doing part of it too, both of you or? So mostly me, I kind of fill him in on things, but I'm, I'm the one that's completely hands-on um, and, and the point man for all the communication, just, um, just another way we kind of structured that partnership. Um, so it's, yeah, it's been me dealing with the tenants one-on-one, some issues I've had. Um, I'm just trying to find a compromise like they wanted to put a security door on and I just instead bought them a simply safe security system because I knew that would benefit me as well as benefiting them so you know just just trying to continue to solve the problems that real estate will throw you um and just compromise with your tenants to create that win-win that's such a great advice um I and we had had a, a guest on for uh property management Karen who kind of talked about that too is you know where do you draw that fine line of you know pleasing the tenants, but also making it for the property owner feasible. Um, and I think right there was just a great example of, okay, they wanted this, which, you know, the, the security door is expensive, but let's find something that will actually be long-term beneficial to both of you and provide a little bit more value than just replacing a door too. Can we continue like on the property management piece before, before we jump out? Like, are you, I know you're managing you know, you have multiple properties now. So are you self-managing all of them? And then are, are they all kind of in your backyard or are some of them a little bit further away? And if so, how are you, how are you managing remotely? Yeah. So the third property we bought was in Southeastern PA. So the first two are still up in Altoona. So I have some experience of having to self-manage from being three, three and a half hours away, still using rent ready for both of them. Um, and still using that same agent to rely on her and her network. Um, so I'm, I'm actually just signed a rental agreement with her yesterday to start tenant screening for property number one because I'm having some tenant turnover. So um, just ties back into to building those relationships and building the network, um, especially early on. So you can lean on those people um, in your time of need, especially once you move away. Um, 
and then things might get a little tough. But in the future, I think I will um, switch to to property management companies. Just at this point, I'm trying to maximize the cash flow and returns so I can uh, keep keep the snowball rolling and put that back into more properties. Well, that's awesome, Hunter. Um, and congratulations on those properties and taking advantage of being able to uh, self-manage. Um, I think it's kind of scary sometimes to do a, a self-manage a property that's far away, but what do you do? It's are you going in and fixing the toilet? Are you making the repairs yourself, or are you calling people anyways to go and do it? So it's not like you need to be around. What does your maintenance um, model kind of look like? Um, yeah, so I uh, usually just pick up the phone and I'll either Google um, or use other connections in the area with local plumbers or local um, like handymen that can help and and get to the property um, in times of need. And uh, some of the relationships I built from being at Penn State Altoona, some local um, friends in the area, their family own investment properties. Um, so I've relied on him to, to go over and check out some properties from time to time. Um, so it just seems like as I'm starting to get more and more experience, I'm always on the phone uh, making phone calls as a real estate yeah. investor. So I think um, one really uh, good thing to do if you are an investor starting out or you even if you are experienced and you haven't done this yet, is make a contractor list, a vendor list, and keep track of all of those vendors and contractors that you have used. Or maybe you have called and gotten quotes from them or somebody referred them. You may not even need them now, but just to keep that list so that when you are in a pinch and you need that electrician, you can go through, okay, here's three right here. I can call and get bids on and um, instead of having to Google it every time because I used to have to do that too all the time. And finally made that list and it's definitely been super beneficial. And then I can just pass that list off onto, um, you know, somebody that's working with me and say, here, here's the, you know, the people that I use and the people that I call to. Actually, I'm glad you added that last point because that's where we're at in our business right now is that, you know, as we're adding people to our team, like I had some vendors saved in my phone, uh, Sarah had some saved in her phone, Omid had some saved in his phone. And like, you know, as we're trying to onboard this new person, we're all like airdropping contacts to each yeah. other so that it's all in one spot. So we're actually, so we use monday.com now. Monday's cool because you can, it's kind of like a, it has some CRM contact management type functionality. So now we're building out um, our vendor database in inside of monday.com that way no, you know as the team expands there's one like you know golden source of information that everyone can go to to figure out okay if we need to call pest control in joshua tree who do we go to if we need to call a window repair guy in the smoky mountains who do we go to and it's all one centralized location so for the rookies that are listening obviously the most important thing is to get started but if you can take some of these little tidbits and really lay yourself a strong foundation when you have one or two properties, when you get to 10 or 20 properties, it's going to be so much smoother and so much easier if you've come to lay that strong foundation. That's um, exactly what we did too. It's um, in monday.com and the same, just the contacts of all the vendors and what they, we did it by trade. So there's a column for each mm -hmm. trade and then list it out. But yeah. So if you guys need some uh, property or project management resource, you can check out monday.com or there's Asana, all these different um, kind of project management uh, resources and tools that you can use to track your business. And they're not a, a sponsor of the podcast at all, but we would love them to be if they want to. <laughs> but um, it's a great when you're getting started is building your systems and processes now because or else you'll be like me and Tony and you will be scrambling to get them into place when you are building your teams. Well, Hunter, I want to take us to our mindset segment. Is there anything, any kind of 
expectation you had jumping into real estate and then realize that the reality of it is that it's not the same? Yeah, I would say for me, the biggest thing, um, especially right now, I feel like I'm kind of in a plateau earlier would be the patience aspect. Um, you know, once it was kind of like bang, 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 got the first three deals. And now I'm kind of in a phase of, of trying to continue to grow capital. Um, so I think starting out and, and moving um, quickly for myself in those early days, um, the mindset of thinking the snowballs can continue to move that fast for me um, was was a mindset shift. I had I had to kind of acquire more patience, if you will. I think that's a really interesting point to bring up, Hunter, because a lot of people who are entrepreneurial Uh, I think by nature are also somewhat impatient. And I always go back to this quote that I heard from, I think it was Jeff Bezos. And he, he, you know, he talked about part of the reason Amazon was so successful was because they had patient capital. And his, the way he phrased it was like, if we can spend whatever, a million bucks and we don't need to see a return for 10 years, we're going to be able to beat the person that needs to see a return in 10 months. And that was like the the ethos of a lot of the ways that Amazon made decisions. Now, obviously, Amazon's a you know one of the the most you know uh, well funded companies on the planet. So all of us can't can't have that same time horizon. But I think the point of patience as a real estate vest, investor, there is some truth to that because if you can if you can be a little bit more selective, a little bit more patient with your deal making, then you can make sure you're always going to get good deals. So I, I just love that point because I know I struggled with patience a lot, uh, especially in my earlier twenties, where like I want. I wanted, you know, the the success now, and I wanted to to be a millionaire now, and I wanted the cash flow now, and I want all these things now. But as I've gotten older and I've matured, I've realized that there is a a sense of uh, patience that that really does help you become a better business person. Yeah, and I th- I think you had a great point there of um, staying patient so you don't make the wrong decisions on deals. Um, that that's a great point, and that's something that you know instead of just going out and trying to acquire as many doors as fast as possible, just so you can say you have X amount of doors, um, you know, staying patient and making sure you're still buying good, strong, cash flowing properties that are fit your investment criteria. So I, I want to take a start, Ricky Rockstar, but before we do, I, I have just a couple more questions for you, Hunter. Not necessarily related to your deals, um, but I, I, you know, I. A lot of people who are listening still have day jobs just like you do. Um, uh, two questions I want to ask you. First, how have you been able to manage or, or what, I guess, tips, uh, advice do you have for people that are looking to invest in real estate while managing family, while managing a, a job? What tips do you have for them to manage that time? And then the second, do you feel you've become a better real estate investor because of the work you do in your day job? Um, yeah. So one thing I've implemented that's really helped me. Um, and I think might be overlooked by, you know, people that are, you know, early on is meditation. Meditation is 100%, you know, been one of the, the biggest game changers for me to implement into. I try to do it every day. I, I don't get around to it every day, but a few times a week being able to meditate for 10, 20, 30 minutes to decompress and detach from everything going on. Um, it just helps me come back to everything more focused and more ready to, to attack the issues at hand. Um, to the question on on my day job helping my real estate investing, one hundred percent. You know, being able to identify and investigate and, and analyze properties for sheets has definitely given me the the skill set um, from a networking communication standpoint, all the way to you know being able to to look at the numbers um, and then pencil things out. Um, so it's definitely it's definitely helped go hand in hand um, throughout my journey thus far. Yeah, just one more follow up, and then and we can go on to the next segment. But I, I think there there are so many people that are 
very eager to leave their day jobs, not realizing that sometimes there are benefits to working that job that will help you become a real estate investor. First, and I think the most obvious thing is like you're more bankable when you have a job, right? It's much easier to get approved for a loan when you have a steady W-2 income. Like I remember the first loan that I got for my investment property, they were able to approve me on a job offer letter, right? Like I had gotten a new job offer where, where my salary had increased pretty significantly and all they needed was the offer letter. Like I didn't even have the job yet and they were able to approve me on that. So there, there are definitely some benefits, but there are also other kind of soft and, and more like, you know, technical skills you pick up in your day job that will allow you to become a better real estate investor. In my day job, I focused on leading people, building systems, managing processes. And believe it or not, a lot of real estate investing is leading people, building systems, managing processes. And a lot of what I learned in my W-2 job, I still apply in my real estate investing business. And I, I really do believe that's what's helped fuel a lot of the growth that we've seen. So uh, for those of you that are listening, just if you can if you can find a way to use your day job as a resource and as a tool to help you become a better real estate investor, then getting up every morning and going to work becomes just a little bit easier. Hunter, um, I want to take us to our rookie request line. Uh, so this is where anybody can call in and leave us a voicemail at one 5 rookie and we may play your question on the show for a guest to answer. So today's question is from Jake Apollo. Hey guys, how's it going? This is Jake Apollo. I'm in Missoula, Montana. Sorry for the background noise. I'm out on my run for the day. Um, I just started listening to your podcast, and I'm in a project right now with my dad. Um, I'm going in about 150k, 200k, and the house can be worth uh, between nine and a uh, million, nine hundred thousand and million dollars, um, all equity. And I'm wondering, moving forward in real estate, what the best, um, maybe not the most crazy profit margin but kind of the safest and entry-level step I should take um, that would allow me to kind of get into the market without overextending myself or putting myself, you know, jumping into water too deep um, that would kind of allow me to get my footing in the real estate market, um, whether it's rentals or buying and flipping, whatever it would be. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, I would say from my experience, the safest – um, the easiest way and the smoothest way for me to get into real estate investing was the owner-occupant way. Um, so putting 3 to 5% down, living in for 12 months, and then renting it out, that was a very bite-sized um, um, step for me to get into real estate investing. And then partnering with my dad, um, going in, holding it as a long-term play, but then recognizing that, you know, given the market changes, there's there's other exit strategies and having having other ways to get out of the deal if you need to. So, um yeah, those were those were two of the easiest ways for me starting out. So I want to take us to our, our next segment, which is the rookie exam. Hunter, I know you just graduated from college a few years ago, but we're gonna we're gonna take you back. This is that 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 final that you didn't study enough for, maybe you know, you had to pull an all nighter for. Um, but these are three questions that we want to ask every investor that comes onto the show. So question number one is what's one actionable thing rookie should do after listening to this episode? I would say if you haven't already, go write down your why. Um, you know, for me, it's it's my family and my freedom. Um, and, you know, when things get tough, when things get stressful and overwhelming, because they, they definitely will, especially probably 
you know, early on, being able to to lean back and, and really know your why and why you're doing everything and putting yourself through these, you know, overwhelming or stressful situations will help you you push on. The next question is, what is one tool, software, app, or system that you use in your business? Um, Rent Ready has definitely been super crucial for me from the, the self-managing perspective. Yeah. It, so if you guys are self-managing and you haven't checked out a property management software, definitely do your research and look at them. There has become so many options, even just in the God, how long have I been investing? Eight years, maybe <laughs> property managing eight years, but that it, there's so many options out there from when I first started. So t- it makes your life so much easier. Awesome. So last question for you, Hunter, where do you see yourself being in five years? In five years, I would like to be close to my goal of $10,000 a month in net cash flow. Um, so long way to go, but that's where I'd like to be and, and, and see myself in five years. You, you talked about it a little bit already, Hunter, but it does snowball, right? And like as you start to accumulate more deals, it becomes a little bit easier to get the next one and the cash flow builds on top of the cash flow. And as you build a presence for yourself in these markets, you got you start to get more deal flow and it all just kind of compounds on top of each other, man. So for you, just a few years removed from college, I can totally see you far surpassing that goal over the next five years, man. And, and we'll be excited to get you back on this show, on the Real Estate Podcast, once you're, once you're crushing it like that and we can, we can hear how well you've done. Well, I appreciate that. It's, uh, that means a lot coming from you guys. Um, this is like a dream come true. I've been listening to you guys since day one. So this is awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you. <laughs> always, always. Well, before we close out, Hunter, I just want to shout out uh, this week's Rookie Rockstar. So if you guys would like to get featured on the Real Estate Rookie podcast, uh, drop a note in Minor Ashley's DMs, get active on the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group or in the forums. But today's Rookie Rockstar is Alexandra Nicole. And Alexandra said, just closed on our second property in eight months. Last January, when I started reading about real estate investing, I never, ever thought I could get one, let alone two properties that quickly. So property one was purchased for $130,000 with 20% down. ARV was $170,000. Renovations were about five grand and they were able to burr this property, get back the down payment, which they used for property two. Uh, And Alexandra bought property two for about $125,000. Spent four grand on the rehab and was worth $165,000. And the plan is to be able to get the down payment back for property number two, which they'll then roll into property number three. So Alexandra, congratulations to you on the amazing success. Hunter, uh, can you let everyone know where they can find out some more information about you and possibly reach out to you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at property underscore profits. Um, It's my real estate account. And then um, you can email me at lewisrentalgroup at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. And I hope you took a ton of knowledge uh, from Hunter. And Hunter, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing with us your story and lots of great advice. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals, and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And we will be back on Saturday with a rookie reply.
The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.